Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We're already being told the plans of the Lord. Before they even came into existence, angels visited their parents and brought good tidings of what was going to take place in the womb of these families that were chosen upon the face of the earth. I didn't come from one of these families because our parents weren't seeking the Lord. My grandmother came to know the Lord when she's 72 years old. My father came to know the Lord when he was 49. By that time, I was already 20 years of age. Approaching my, uh, my high school years where you formulate all the patterns of thought and knowledge. And if you're a rebellious son like I was, by the age of 16, I thought I knew it all. I had been planning my runaway from the age of 13. I said, when I turn 16, I'm running away from home. That was the dumbest thought that could ever enter into the mind of a foolish son. Um, I thank God I didn't publish that. I thank God I didn't walk in that reality. But my parents were not speaking, thus saith the Lord. They were not telling me who I was in Christ. How many have the privilege of having Christian parents who tell you who you are in this world? Could you raise your hand? Who has, I want you to raise your hand, because I, I want you to notice that not everybody's going to raise their hands. If you have parents who speak into your life who you are in Christ, I want you to raise your hand, because you are privileged, and you have a great legacy of blessing. And there's not many people that have that, and I thank God that uh, when I became a Christian around the age of 16, even before my father became a Christian, I started listening to his voice because I, I heard a man of God tell me, in your father's heart is the will of God for your life. So what a blessing it is to have a godly heritage. Now, God did not prepare us like I was told as a young man. You know what I was told? We found you in a garbage dump. That's a joke, and it's funny, and we got you on the way into the country. You were on the Mexican border. There was a pile of trash there, and we fished you out, and you're lucky to be with us. So that was the story growing up, and since I was darker than all my brothers, I pretty much believed it. I said, I don't care, man. I'm having a good time. Thank you very much. And so what a curse it is to not have parents who said, when you were born, you were conceived as a holy seed in a holy relationship before a holy God from obedient parents that came to do the will of God. See, my four children have that blessing. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a world-changing privilege. And I feel sorry for those of you that are here tonight that only speak Spanish. Because you guys are probably getting a, a third of this. I wish, you know, somehow or another, God would give you full understanding of what's going to take place tonight. So coming from a, a people 
And those people exist upon the earth. And they're God's people. And He watches over them. He, he marks their calling by allowing angels to appear to their parents and say, what's coming in your womb, it belongs to me. And you're to set it aside, and it's to be special, listen to me, all the days of his life. A man called me today, was talking over having coffee with a man, and he says, I, I want to know a little bit more about how you were called of the Lord. When were you called? See, and if you already know God, and you have godly parents, and you're walking in these ways, you will respond, I was called from my mother's womb. See, my call wasn't an afterthought. God had a purpose with me, even though my parents didn't seek the Lord. And thank God that they eventually sought the Lord. And in fact, thank God that I was a teenager and I started seeking the Lord before my dad decided to seek the Lord. Because I started receiving wisdom of telling my father, I want to obey you because I want to do the will of God. And he's like freaking out. Or aren't you supposed to not listen to me? Listen to me. I now understand that I'm a prince and I belong to God to do his will. And if I line myself up with your desire, if I honor my father and my mother, I will fulfill the calling of God upon my life. And the glory of God will fill the earth at such magnitude, I'm not any ordinary person. I used to think we're all here on the earth and, and we're a multitude of, of people going crazy. And there can't be a God, and, and, and God doesn't listen, and God's not a part. Listen to me. I thought God had created us, and he had left and left us alone. Listen to me. That's not who God is. God says he has numbered the hairs on your head. God says he has called you from your mother's womb. And he said, from that place, I set you apart with purpose. And so, in that journey that we're following... How many, how many know anybody in your life outside of a Christian brother or sister? How many know anybody who is living life like this? That they're concerned with doing the, the will of God who created them. I don't know anybody. I know some people tell you they want to be lawyers. I see other people want to be doctors. I see other people want to be nurses and engineers and computer programmers and multimillionaires and accountants. And they want to do a whole bunch of things, but they do not want to do the will of God. Let me tell you something, and maybe nobody has told you, but you're on this earth to do the will of your Father who is in heaven. That's the only reason you were created. There is no other purpose. You might find other things to do. You might entertain. You might consider. You might get involved with a thousand things. But there's only one thing that God brought you into this earth to do. And you could, the travesty, the travesty of living upon the earth and missing your calling is so incredible. It's, it's a... It's a disillusionment. It's, it's such a failure. It's such a loss. You imagine that you end the end of your days and you said, you know something? I never did the will of God. When God pointed to the right, I went to the left. When God said up, I went down. When God said down, I went up. And so you missed the ball. 
I, I call that the foul ball. You guys who play baseball know what that means. It counts for nothing. It was a counterfeit call. And let me tell you something. The devil is, he lives for nothing else than that you might miss your calling. And he is treacherous, and he's sneaky, and he's crafty, and he'll tell you to disobey God. Because he's been doing that since the beginning. He is a liar. And you have to love truth. You have to say, God says, my dad says, my mom says, my pastor says, the Word of God says. That's safety. And if you're walking contrary to your mother, to your father, to your pastor, to the Word of God, you will not fulfill the call of God on your life. And so, in this earth, there's already been people who have missed out. And I don't know, I could give you one. We know Adam and Eve missed out with God's plan because they took a different road. Um, the people of Israel. God told them, in nine days you shall enter into the promised land. And they took 40 years and never came in to what God had prepared. The devastation is that when they saw the giants in the promised land, they got scared and ran away from God. And I think you're running away from God's call. I think that you're walking in fear of saying, what does this mean to obey God fully? To, to, to you know, recklessly and abandon myself to the call of this God who created me and put me on this earth for His purpose. When I was young, I was like, I'm not giving myself to God because He probably has a real ugly wife for me. And so I'm picking my wife. Well, I thank God God picked my wife. Because there's going to be a sad day for me. And so in that course, I've learned to abandon myself to the desire and the plans that God has for me. I don't have to figure it out. All I have to figure out is, God, what do you want? And I know it's awesome. I know it's, it's incredible. And it's an adventure, and it's a world-changing journey. It's, a, it's amazing if you're faithful. And faithfulness is faithful. And unfaithful is unfaithful. Faithfulness is faithful. So here we go to Romans 2. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to preach tonight. We have a special guest. I'm just setting the foundation. Romans 2, verse 17. You could turn to your neighbor and say, Indeed, you call yourself chosen by God. That's what the word Jewish means. You call yourself a Jew. That word means Hebrew. From the descendants of Joshua, of the Old Testament calling of, of a special tribe in Judah. You call yourself special. So a lot of you guys call yourself Christians, and you're no more a Christian than you act like an obedient son. Because that's who Jesus is. And if you call yourself Christ-like, it only means one thing, and it's that you deny yourself. It's the only thing it means. And if you don't live a sacrificial, denying yourself life, you're no more a Christian than that piano is a bicycle. You're going nowhere. And God wants us to press in to our 
before the foundations calling. He says, before the foundations of the earth, I called you. I set things in course. I had a plan for your life. Yeah, a lot of things have happened. And we could say, in all this mess, God couldn't have called. Well, yes, listen, let me tell you something. You call yourself a Jew, and you rest on the Word of God. That's what he says in verse 17. You say you depend on what God says, and you even are proud to call yourself special. And let me tell you something. If you are chosen by God, and if you direct your life according to the Word of God, let me tell you something. You are special you're not no ordinary thing and so in this call he says like this you approve the things that are more excellent verse 18 you know his will and if there's one thing that gives us a testimony to know that we are God's children is that he lets us know what he desires is anybody confused tonight as to what God wants Anybody? Is there something in your life? Listen, in fact, everybody and their mother has told you what God wants. You have to be such a rebel to not do the will of God. It's not even funny. You, you got to resist the Spirit of God. You got to rebel. You got to disobey. You got to, let me tell you something. You got to put your feet like this, both of them, and, and you're resisting where God is leading you. Because God will let you know what He wants. And He will let you know, thumbs up. Have you ever got one of these from God? When I got married with my wife, there was ten pastors going like this. I wanted them there going like this. I know some people that that grab their girlfriends and run away because people are going like this. And if they're going like this, it's only for one reason. You're about to be slaughtered. And people concerned about you want, hey, you got a green light. So you know what's excellent. You know what's approved. You know the will of God. You know these things are for the best. That's what excellent means. I don't know uh, any Christian that's mediocre is, is pathetic. Not prophetic, pathetic. Because if you know what's best, you should go for the best. And you're being instructed out of the law. Not to be an outlaw out of the law. Verse 19, you are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind. You could teach other people, listen to me, this is a blessing. When you're a son of God and you know God and you know the world, you could even teach other people what to do. And that makes you a leader. Say, I'm a leader. And you know why I'm a leader? Because I know what to do. But how sad it is that God has brought you to be a leader and you're not leading. In fact, if other people were following you, they would be destroyed because you're leading wrong. You're walking in foolishness. You are a light. Say, I'm a light to those who are in darkness. This is the calling of God's people. This is the calling. You are a light. You, verse 20, are an instructor of foolish men. He said, man, you're so stupid. And they're like, why, man? I don't know. No, you're dumb. You're, you're crazy. You're instructing those that are doing life wrong. You're teaching those that are immature, babes. Having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, you have it all together. 
So this is our calling as world changers. Romans 11, verse 25. The Bible says to us, Brethren, I don't desire that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Please don't miss what God wants to show you. You're not to be absent the knowledge of these things God has prepared. Lest you should think you have it all together in your own eyes. You're wise in your own opinion. And that blindness in part has happened to Israel. When you start walking in your own opinion, the first thing that God takes away from you, here's what he says, you don't want to see, then I'll take away your sight. You don't want to know the path, then I lose you in the wilderness. This is God. He strips you of what he's showing you. You don't love truth, you don't need truth. He'll give you up to a lie. He'll give you what you desire. And so he says there, I don't want you to be ignorant Because look what happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Let's go back to verse 19 because we want to get a little understanding. You will say, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Some people were taken out that I might be put in. It's talking about the people of Israel were called to be world changers and God now has brought you in to be a world changer. Well said. Verse 20, we're reading Romans 11.20. Well said, because of unbelief, say unbelief. Because they did not believe, they were broken off. And you stand in their place for only one reason, because you believe. I, I don't know, you know, I want you to understand that we're not here just playing church. We're trying to figure out, okay, God, what do you want to put us in our hands? You know what God wants to put in our hands? He wants us to be the light of the world. He wants you to every aspect of your life, have it in such a way that you're an example to the lost, that you're a light to the darkness, that you're a healing to the sick, that you're wisdom to the foolish. They were broken off because of unbelief. And you are participating because of belief. Do not be proud, but fear. Do not be haughty. Don't think, ha, I'm a world changer. Be careful to degrees of serious concern. That you not miss out on your call. Because one thing is for us to have parents who didn't tell us we were world changers, we were special, we were called of God, we were the princes, we will change the nations. We didn't have that. But now that we do, how were your children going to be born into this world? Will they have fathers who hear the voice of God, who have the heart of God to be able to give Their children, the call God has put upon them. Therefore fear, verse 21, for if God did not spare the real, original, natural branches, He may not spare you either. Therefore consider, there's a good side of the things of God and there's the severity of having walked in a place like this. On those 
who were disconnected, they felt the severity. Verse 22. On those who fell, consider the goodness, the kindness, and sternness of the Lord. To those who fell, sternness. But kindness to you, only if you continue under that shadow. Otherwise, say with me, otherwise, you also will be cut off. What a travesty that those of us who God is trying to connect, God is saying because you're not walking in the connection, you, just like the Jews, will be disconnected. And if they who are the natural branches repent and start wanting to hear from God, they will be reconnected. Verse 23. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted. If they repent, they will be connected again. For God is able to graft them again. People who were disconnected, who despised being visited by angels, who, who were despised having the prophets of God visit them, who despised having the, the hand of God upon their life, God says, okay, I'll back off. I'll give this to a people who want it. I want it. I want it for my kids. I want it for my grandkids. I want the blessings of God for a thousand generations. And I'm going to walk in obedience. And I'm going to walk in the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to be humble. And I want to inherit the goodness of God. I want to listen to God. I want to feel His heartbeat. I want to know before He goes like this, that I'm already hearing His footsteps and He's leading me in the direction that I, that I should go. This is what's available for us that want to live for God and to know God. And it says there, Verse 24, for if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, we used to be wild bunch, and now we're into this groomed, say with me, groomed. Groomed is, is, is the person that lets themselves be groomed. You know what the word groom means? To be, to be made more attractive. God wants to make us attractive. And when we're stuck on stupid, we get super unattractive. But if we let the Spirit of God lead our lives, man, you see my life, it's the glory of God. You want to know why? Because I want what God wants. I desire what God desires. And so there's a people called the Jewish people, and for a season they have turned their hearts away from God. They have despised being chosen. The fiddler on the roof, the man says, hey God, I know we're the chosen people, but why didn't you choose someone else? Why didn't you go pick on someone else? And guess what? You're the luckiest man alive that they're picking on you, and it's the Spirit of God. And don't despise the Spirit of God, because it will not contend with man forever. And so I'm saying, Lord, thank you. That Who am I that you would call me your friend? Who am I that you would bring me close? And so one of the powerful things in this people being called of God to do the things of God, he says... Brethren, I desire you not to be foolish in these matters. I desire you to entrust yourself. And he says like this in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the wealth of wisdom and knowledge that God has for us. Unsearchable are His decisions. His ways are way above our ways. We don't understand where God is leading us, but I, I'm convinced that it's the glory of God. His ways are past finding out. 
Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord? What does God want? Who has become his counselor? Who could tell him he's wrong? Verse 35, who has first given to him that he shall be repaid to him? Verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom he has the glory forever and ever. And so I want to tell you that there is a season where the Jewish people have decided to walk away from God. And so they were called the original founding fathers of everyone who will be a world changer. Everyone who stands to do great things for God. You know, is in that lineage of world changers. But you're going to see a presentation now where these guys have decided of their own choice to go and get involved with science, Albert Einstein. With politics, Karl Marx started communism. With Sigmund Freud, psychology, medicine. With all sorts of fashion designing, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren. With movies, all, all the, the movie stars that are deep-seated in a calling outside. Say with me, outside of the knowledge of God. See, they were entrusted this responsibility to change the world. 14 years ago, when the Lord began to tell us we were going to be world changers, everybody began to laugh at us. But you will see in this presentation tonight that these people from the beginning were called to change the world. And we said on Sunday, you want to be a world changer? Follow the steps of a world changer. Follow the steps of somebody who changed the world. And the Jewish people have, have kidnapped. They have grabbed their whole life and lived not for the glory and knowledge of God, but for the glory and knowledge of this world. And so now you and I have been given the incredible task to say, Lord, use me for your glory. Lift me up that I might show the world your wisdom. You know, wisdom is obedience. Wisdom is humility. Wisdom is submission to authority. Wisdom is truth. Wisdom is honor. Wisdom is purity. Because all the other junk in this world are people who are perishing by the multitude. And you, my friend, were chosen by God to change the world in His infinite mercy. By His amazing grace. And through the ministry of His Word. And through the faithfulness of having placed you in the body of Christ. So let's see this tonight. And maybe you get encouraged. And then I'll be back. Have you ever considered this? Albert Einstein, Sigmund Freud and Karl Marx were three of the most influential men of all time. They literally shaped the world we live in today. And all three of them were Jews. Could this be part of our destiny as Jews? Are we called by God to change the world? Standing here, outside of the Jewish Museum in New York City, it really makes you wonder. Time Magazine drew up its list of the 100 most 
influential people of the 20th century, at least 12 of them were Jews. Some of the prominent names included Bob Dylan and Steven Spielberg and David Ben-Gurion. But the Jewish people make up less than 0.002% of the world's population. That's one Jew for every 500 people. And it was a Jew, Albert Einstein, who was named the person of the century. How is it that such a small group of people have made such a massive impact on the world? Albert Einstein, um, Karl Marx, and Sigmund Freud, I think they were all very independent thinkers. The thing they have in common is that they're all, all Jewish. I believe that Albert Einstein, uh, Karl Marx, and, and Sigmund Freud were all Jewish. Yeah, I didn't know that Karl Marx was Jewish. Albert Einstein was the father of nuclear physics, considered the greatest genius of his age. He discovered the theory of relativity at the age of 25. Sigmund Freud, father of modern psychology, called the most influential intellectual legislator of his age. Even today, we still talk about Freudian slips. And Karl Marx, the father of communism, his writings impacted whole nations. The co-author of the Communist Manifesto, author of Das Kapital, also changed the whole world. Wherever you look in our society, Jews have made their mark. You watch TV news and talk shows and you've seen Larry King and Barbara Walters, Wolf Blitzer, all Jews. You've seen Real Time with Bill Maher, he's Jewish too. How about MTV and Showtime and Nickelodeon? They're all part of the Viacom empire run by Sumner Redstone, who was born Murray Rothstein, another Jew. Do you like comedy? You know, all about Adam Sandler, Jerry Seinfeld, Billy Crystal, John Stewart of the Comedy Channel, all Jews. Or Sasha Baron Cohen, better known as Barat or Ali G, another Jew. In fact, all these men are part of a long line of Jewish comedians, going back to Rodney Dangerfield and Jerry Lewis and Milton Berle and Jack Benny and the Marx Brothers. Yeah, the Marx Brothers were Jewish too. In fact, about the only thing that connects Karl Marx and the Marx Brothers is that they're all Jews. Even the Three Stooges were Jewish. Hey, we're just getting started. Do you own nice clothes? Then you've got something designed by Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, Kenneth Cole, all Jews. Do you wear jeans? Then you know the inventor of the blue jeans, Levi Strauss, another Jew. Do you like nice perfumes? Then certainly you smell the sense of Estee Lauder, another Jew, and according to Time Magazine, one of the 100 most influential people of the 20th century. Do you enjoy watching sports? Then you've heard the names of the famous broadcasters like Howard Cosell and Marv Albert, both Jews. Do you enjoy reading novels? Then you surely picked up something by Jackie Collins or Danielle Steele or Irving Stone, all of them Jews. Who is the world's most famous mime? Marcel Marceau, a Jew. Who is the pioneer of magic and illusion? Harry Houdini, a Jew. Who is the most famous chess player of all time? Bobby Fischer, a Jew. Who's the world's greatest chess player, a man who defeats computers? Gary Kasparov, another Jew. Think about some of the people who have had a massive influence over world economy, like Alan Greenspan and Robert Rubin, both Jews. In fact, the recent president of the World Bank, Paul Wolfowitz, is also a Jew. What about the world of technology? Michael Dell, founder of Dell Computers. Sergey Brin, one of the co-founders of Google. Steve Ballmer, president and CEO of Microsoft. All Jews. You've really got to think about this. Really. The impact that such a small percentage of the population has had on world culture is absolutely mind-boggling. It's completely out of proportion to our size.
Is there something different in the Jewish DNA? Well, John Stewart's Jewish. I know he's Jewish. Seinfeld, I mean, you can't leave him out of the list. Once McCall was a Jew, um, uh, Sammy Davis was a black Jew, right? Ben Stein. Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Moses. Moses would be a very famous Jew throughout history. Ben Stiller would be the most, I think, at the time right now. Okay. I think Anne Frank is one of the most influential Jews in history. Jerry Springer is a Jew. Yeah. How about the mayor of our city, Mayor Bloomberg? There's no denying that Jews have been world changers. In fact, there's an amazing quote from Mark Twain more than 100 years ago. Listen to what he said. If statistics are right, the Jews constitute but 1% of the human race. It suggests a nebulous, dim puff of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. Properly, the Jew ought hardly to be heard of, but he is heard of, has always been heard of. He is as prominent on the planet as any other people, and his commercial importance is extravagantly out of proportion to the smallness of his bulk. His contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine, and abstruse learning are also a way out of proportion to the weakness of his numbers. He has made a marvelous fight in this world, in all the ages, and had done it with his hands tied behind him. He could be vain of himself and be excused for it. That was 1899. What about today? Just think of the impact of Hollywood and TV on our culture, and then think of the Jewish impact on Hollywood and TV. Or maybe you didn't realize how great that impact was. Jesus Christ is the most famous Jewish person I know. Okay. And then Moses after him. Abraham. My stepdad. <laughs> He's Jewish. <laughs> oh man, the most famous? Yeah. Mel Gibson probably one of them. The most famous. There's a guy that, that uh, he's a musician. I forget the name. Matis Yahu is the funniest Jewish person I know because he's a rabbi that lives in Crown Heights and he's rapping. I think the funniest Jewish person is Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler? I agree, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I'd say the most famous Jew would have to be Steven Spielberg. I don't really know that much about Jewish people. I'm from California. There's almost nothing that impacts our culture today more than Hollywood and TV, and yet some of the biggest names in the industry are Jewish. Starting with producers like Steven Spielberg and Rowan Polanski and Oliver Stone and Woody Allen and Mel Brooks, and then going to an almost endless stream of Jewish actors and actresses like Richard Dreyfuss and Jaws and Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Stiller and Rob Schneider and Alicia Silverstone and Goldie Hawn and Kirk Douglas and Dustin Hoffman just to name a few. Did you realize that all of them were Jews? Jewish influence on Hollywood literally goes from Star Wars to Star Trek. That's right, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, and Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, were both Jews. And it actually goes from the Twilight Zone to the X-Files. Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone and David Duchovny, better known as Fox Mulder, both Jews. It even goes from Inspector Clouseau to Indiana Jones. Peter Sellers and Harrison Ford are both Jews on their mother's side and therefore Jews according to Jewish law. Jews have made their mark on the music industry too. 
from the beautiful voices of Simon and Garfunkel to the first Caucasian rap group, the Beastie Boys, and from Barbara Streisand and Billy Joel and Barry Manilow to Bette Midler and Neil Diamond and David Lee Roth, all of them Jews. Even Brian Epstein, the creator of the Beatles, was a Jew. But all this leads to a question. Is this God's destiny for us as Jews? Is this our calling as world changers? Star Trek? The Communist Manifesto? The Beastie Boys? The Three Stooges? And what about men like Howard Stern and Jerry Springer? Certainly men of influence. But is this what God has destined for our people? You know, when you really stop and think about it, we have a Jewish World Changers Hall of Fame. I mean, just think about this. The adventures of lipstick and the ballpoint pen and instant photography and TV remote control and laser and videotape and virtual reality and genetic engineering were all Jews. Columnist Ann Landers with millions of readers, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, second woman to sit on the Supreme Court, two more influential Jews. Some of the greatest conductors of the world's greatest orchestras and operas were Jews, most famously Leonard Bernstein. Some of the world's greatest artists were Jews, maybe Mark Chagall is at the top of that list. So many people who challenged the status quo have been Jews, like feminist leaders Betty Friedan and Naomi Wolf, or counterculture leaders like Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, or Senators Barbara Boxer and Dianne Feinstein. They were the first pair of women to be elected together to the United States Senate from the same state. So many of the greatest authors and thinkers and scientists have been Jews, from Saul Bellow to Jonas Salk. In fact, Jews have made an incredible mark on the sciences, doing all kinds of good for humanity. Listen to what the Jewish Achievement website points out. Chance would say that out of 174 Nobel Prizes for Physics awarded from 1901 through 2004, Jews should have gotten none or at best one. That is, with two-tenths of one percent of the world's population, one might reasonably expect Jews to get two out of every 1,000 prizes, one out of every 500. With 174 prizes awarded, the odds are that at best one Jew might have earned a Nobel for Physics, but only if that person beat the odds. Actually, Jews have received 48 out of the 174 awards. In fact, 23% of all Nobel Prizes from 1901 to 2006 have been awarded to Jews, including 29 prize winners in chemistry, constituting 19% of the world total and 28% of the U.S. total. Still, we have to ask the question, is this everything God fashioned us to do? One Jewish textbook says this, we have been chosen for mission to bring the message of the one omnipotent God to mankind. Well, Einstein certainly didn't fulfill that mission. Nor did Freud or Karl Marx or Harry Houdini or Steven Spielberg or Bobby Fischer or Barbara Streisand. None of them did it. Could it be that maybe we're barking up the wrong tree? Could it be that maybe it's the rabbis, the religious Jews, who are called to fulfill the mission and make God known to the ends of the earth? We're talking about, on this show, Jewish influence on world culture. Jews, world changes, is there any kind of special mission? Have we made the world a better place, a worse place? So first, out of curiosity, are any famous Jews you can think of? Who comes to mind? I have none. Nobody? Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, all right. Hollywood. Anybody else in Hollywood? Goldie Hawn. Adam Sandler. Everybody knows Adam Sandler, Steven Spielberg. But did you know they were all Jews? <laughs> no. No, didn't know that. All right, see, you're going to learn something today. Okay, what about other areas where you think Jews have had an impact on society? I think they have an impact everywhere. I mean, science and literature, there's all these kind of great people. I mean, Albert Einstein, you know. Albert Einstein, he was Time Magazine's person of the century. So, for every 500 people on the earth, how many of them do you think are Jews? So, 
one Jew for every 500 people. Yet we're all over Hollywood, sciences, literature, famous novelists, we're all over the place. So, so how is it this tiny percentage of the people has had such a massive influence in society? Any ideas? I think it's because they had so much struggle. I mean, coming over from different countries, having been kind of an immigrant status, they had to kind of prove their work. They had a lot of ambition growing up. Right. They tried to overcome whatever obstacles they had. So maybe that gave them an impetus to... There's no question that when you're the underdog, you have to fight. And then often in society, we're, we're persecuted, we're misunderstood. That's true, but there's a problem. Even when we get established, we still have this kind of influence. I mean, Adam Sandler, Steven Spielberg, they weren't immigrants, and yet they continue to have this big influence. So. I have a question for you. I'm not sure if you believe what's written in the Bible or not, but according to the Bible, Jews have a special mission given by God. You, you know what that is according to the Bible? No. No idea. Everybody usually has a mission. Everybody that comes from other states come here to make a mission. It's not only oh, yeah, every, Everybody has a certain mission. Like in an orchestra, everybody has a specific instrument to play, but what do you think the mission of the Jews is? According to the Bible, the scriptures. In the, the Bible, it's a Jewish book, so according to the I Bible... No idea to convert others, convert change, us. the world. change the world, yeah. If the Jews worship the one true God, I mean, we were monotheists, everybody else was worshiping idols, part of our mission now is to make God known to all the nations. So we've had influence, Hollywood, science, literature, great medical advances, all that, but have we succeeded in our real mission, making God known to the ends of the earth? Probably uh, not. That's hard, you know, to because there's so many other religions that are like so much more popular, like in, in Asia, you know, like Buddhism or, or Hinduism, and you know, like every continent or every part of the world has its own major sort of religion. Even there are other religions. Right. Around. Exactly. Who is it then that's like the missionaries? They go around the world. They tell everybody believe in the one true God and. I think the Christians, not the Jews. Christians. Oh, but hang on. Christians are originally Jews. Uh, Christians are originally <laughs> Now we may, we may be on to something here. Can you think of any famous Jews or anything Jews who contributed to society? Um, well, in the arts, I mean, um, which is my field, it's crammed with uh, Jewish people. Really? And uh, they've contributed a huge amount. Do you know for every 500 people in the world, how many of them do you think are Jews? For every 500, how many? Take a guess. Like about 250. <laughs> oh, half the world of Jews? Uh, That'd no, be no, a lot. No, no. That'd about be a lot. Five. Five. Actually, there's only one Jew, one Jew for every 500 people in the world. The Jews do a whole lot of stuff. You think there's a special mission for the Jewish people in this world? They're capable of. Because I know a lot of them do a lot of good stuff and there's nice people. So, it's a possibility. Yes. I think, um, you know, their religious ethics um, demand, I'm not Jewish, but I think that demands um, something that the best as Lorraine was saying. They um, make a point of um, uh, contributing. You know, I'm thinking about what these people had to say, and it's very interesting. In fact, three things strike me. Number one, there is that disproportionate influence of the Jewish people upon world culture. Nobody can seem to deny it. In fact, one of the women that I spoke with is actually an art photographer for the New York Times. And as soon as we were off camera, she started to spout off names of Jews and music and the arts. But then there's that second recognition. And it seems that Gentiles and Jews both seem to have this, which is 
The Jews have a special calling. The Jews have a mission, and it's a mission to make the one true God known. In fact, they're called to be witnesses. People were at home with that concept, but witnesses testify to what they've seen and heard. And that leads me to the third point. They also seem to recognize that religious Jews are not primarily interested in telling the rest of the world about the one true God. In fact, the more religious a Jewish person is, it seems the less interested they are in spreading the news to the rest of the world. Very interesting. Something to think about. Rabbi. Yeah, Maimonides, Rashi, Hillel. Uh, oh, we have a great rabbi in Israel by the name of Rabbi Yona Metzger. Uh, he's uh, smart, intelligent, and working with the Jewish people for today, for the modern world. No, I can't think of any. Uh... Famous rabbis. Uh, what do you mean, like Jehovah's or something like that? Rabbis, Jews, Jews. Yeah. Um, uh, I couldn't tell you. Um, I can name a famous rabbi. His name is Rabbi Shmuley from Shalom in the Home. And I'm a huge fan. Great. Thanks a lot. Let's be honest. Most Americans today couldn't give this the name of a single influential rabbi. They know the names of the actors and the entertainers, but religious Jews, rabbis? Ask him which rabbis brought the knowledge of God to the ends of the earth in the last 100 years or 500 years. Or better yet, go to India and Africa and ask the people there which rabbis and religious Jews brought the knowledge of the one true God to them. In fact, I'm speaking as a Jew myself, we've sometimes done better at spreading atheism than the knowledge of God. From Karl Marx in his day to Jews today like Sam Harris, the author of The End of Faith, and Christopher Hitchens, the author of God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything, to the late astrophysicist Carl Sagan, who was a champion of religious skepticism. In fact, a recent poll from Baylor University indicated that while 6% of Americans deny the existence of God and are atheists, 8% of the Jewish population in America said that they're atheists. That means we deny the existence of God more than the rest of the American population. Certainly, you cannot say that we have succeeded in our mission to be a light to the world and to bring the knowledge of God to the ends of the earth. It would seem that we failed and our ultimate calling is world changers. Unless there's one Jew that we failed to consider. One Jew that outshines Einstein, Marx, Freud a thousand times over. One Jew whose name is known in every nation of the world, in fact, who has brought the knowledge of God to the ends of the earth, to every nation and people. Who is this Jew that we fail to consider? Who do you think is the most famous Jew of all time? Ah, surprised you. That's tough. Einstein? I'd say Gilda Meir. Yeah, he's an actor. Wow. My brain's going blank. Ah, uh, to tell you the truth, I don't know anyone. You don't know any? I don't know anyone. Who do you think is the most famous Jew of all time? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus? Let me introduce you to the most influential Jew of all time. The most famous Jew of all time, a man who literally changed the course of the world. Most people know him as Jesus, but his Hebrew name is Yeshua. He was a rabbi, not a reverend. 
And the reason he's called Christ is because Christ is the Greek way of saying Messiah. Yeshua the Messiah, he's one of us. Through Yeshua and his faithful band of followers, men like Peter, Paul, John, all of them Jews, the knowledge of the one true God has gone to the ends of the earth. There are people that have thrown away their idols and they've thrown away their false religion and they've thrown away their anger and their hatred and they've turned to the one true God through him, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. He's the ultimate world changer. He's the one who fulfills our destiny as Jews. And it's time that we reclaim him as one of our own. All right. Can we ask you a quick question on camera? What is the question? And then I'll give you my answer. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'll ask you, and How many have seen what God wants to do? I'll tell you something, what the Bible says in Romans 11, verse 12. It says, If the Jewish people's falling away is riches for the world, because they didn't decide to walk in their calling, we're super blessed because God called us now. If their falling away is our riches and their failure is huge gain for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their coming back be? Do you imagine Adam Sandler as a world-changing Christian? Do you imagine all those people mentioned Goldie Hawn and Ralph Lauren and Kenneth Cole and Calvin Klein having a salvation experience and showing up on the scene saying, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to use all my influence, all my talents, all my abilities, everything God has deposited in my bosom to make sure that Jesus Christ is known in all the earth. Imagine that you having the opportunity to be a world changer and God has called you and given you the vision to change the world. That you drop the ball and these people come from behind and they begin to carry the calling of God to change the world. Verse 15, Romans eleven fifteen. For if their rejection has resulted in you and I being reconciled by God, what will their acceptance be but a huge tsunami of life touching every dead thing upon the earth? And my friend, you've come to the house of God tonight, and I want to tell you that our founding fathers that were called to change the world, decided to backslide and get involved in everything upon the earth except propagating the knowledge of God, spreading the gospel, the good news of our God. And you've been put in that place and God created you to fulfill an incredible call. Can you stand up tonight and say, God, I beg you and I cry out to you to fulfill my calling in these matters. That those things that you have called me to fulfill in my lifetime, that they would, they would be not only pursued, but they, they would be accomplished and fulfilled. And like Paul said, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, I have finished the course. 
I did what God has called me to do. How powerful that Paul decides to wake up out of his, his non-world-changing agenda and he becomes a world changer and the Lord has in his lifetime to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And I'm just trying to figure out what God has in this room. What God has in this gathering of people in the small town of Doral and to figure out if we could get connected with the promises of God and the fulfillment of His Word and the listening of His Spirit and the fulfilling of His call. I'm just wondering what we have in this room today. Where Peter writes these words, 2 Peter 1.10. And I'll finish with this. Peter writes, 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren, be even more. You said, I am a Christian. Be even more. I do go to church. Be even more. I am obedient. Be obedient more. Come in a pursuit and in a passion for the things of God, unbridled, unrestrained, unlimited. And the vision of this church is that no one in this church will have any excuse to fulfill the calling of God on your life. That's the vision of Spring of Life. That we might determine what your calling is and that you might be propelled in the direction of your calling. He says, be even more eager. Listen, I don't know how to get you more excited. I don't know how to get you more faithful. I'm embarrassed. Listen how I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed there's people that come to this church that don't care about their calling. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to be part of a people who have other things to do. I don't know. Um, Steve Jobs had other things to do. Uh, Mark Zuckerman, or whatever his name is, for Facebook is a Jewish guy who changed the world in something that has nothing to do with the kingdom. All these guys were, were pursuing things that have no eternal consequence. And then you and I have been called to change the world. And you know what? As we read the entire chapter 11 of Romans where he's saying, look, there's some people who have checked out and you have been checked in. These were world changers that got busy coming up with the theory of relativity, the political influence of communism, sad, darkness. Instead of propagating godliness, they propagated atheism against God. Vanity, things that do not have consequence, things that they, they haven't entrusted to their children, world-changing call, world-changing substance, world-changing seriousness. And so in Romans 12, he says like this, Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, to present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Offer yourself up to God. I, I promise you, I'm going to be the happiest man in the world as I see you flare into the glory of the heights of his call. Way beyond whatever you dreamed and even thought of. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, seeking out to separate yourselves. You say, well... I just don't like the fact that I, I'm so different. Yes, you are, my friend. You are not an ordinary fellow. Your family is not an ordinary family. You have world-changing potential, capacity, and caliber. Pleasing to God, which is our pursuit in these affairs of spiritual things. Raise your hand with me if you have a witness in your spirit what the Lord is telling His church tonight. 
And Father, I present to you these world changers. We did not come into this world of our own desire or by the will of man. We have been conceived by the will of the Father from Mount Sion, from His holy temple, in the throne of God, in the throne room of an omnipotent, mighty God. And we do not want to miss out on our call. We do not want to be distracted by the affairs of this life. We do not want to be distracted by the vanity and by the distractions of that which is glossy and attractive to this world. Father, we want to pursue You with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That You might fulfill the call of God upon our lives. That we might hear the voice of God. That we might be awakened by visions and dreams. That we might be passionate to pursue our Father in heaven. And not the Father of lies. Not the Father of disobedience. Not the Father of rebellion. Father, we want to follow Your ways all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of God forever. Lord, allow Your glory to come upon us and lead us in the way we should go. Entrust us with those small things that we might be found faithful to be entrusted with greater responsibility and calling. We give You thanks for having chosen us before the foundations of the world. We give You thanks for Jesus Christ, whose blood we do not count as uh, common, ordinary. But we have been washed and made clean and forgiven. And now project us as arrows in the hands of mighty men into the direction of our bullseye and purpose in this life. That we might serve our generation in the will of God, bringing light to the Gentiles, bringing good news to the poor, bringing riches to those who are lost. In Jesus' name I pray. And the house of God says, Amen.